Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Was it data-driven decisions? That's the only thing I talk about. You, so you're saying you prefer data-driven decisions. I mean, I don't do anything without checking the data first. You check the data? Yeah, I check the data. So you never just go with your gut? No. No! No. That's what I. That's why I built my info board, so I can look at it. You, so you stand in your hallway, <laughs> observing, observing your, yeah, I know your the info exact, board? The exact time it takes to drive to Old Orchard every day to get to work. <laughs> wow, look at you, George Jetson, <laughs> living in the future, estimating your commute. <sighs> so I'm asking about data-driven decisions, because this is the thing like everybody says, at least in our space. I hear this a lot. Is I, you know, I, I love, I prefer, I like, I want data-driven decision-making. What does the data say? And then, of course, the, and then, of course, they just do what they want in their gut. Yeah. They like look at the data and then they're like, oh, actually, uh, <laughs> if you look at it this way, my thing was right. So I was right. Go with my gut. Every time. And yeah, and that's what I, we see consistently, except in one instance. And it's when you split test stuff. For whatever reason, split testing is the particular kind of data that people just seem to really respect. Well, I think it's for the same reason why we went into this business was because our old business of working with marketing agencies was entirely feelings-based. And then when we started working on e-commerce, we could at least go, look at this. Now there's more money. We did good, right? And it's hard <laughs> for them to argue against more money. Yeah. Although it, we have had people do that. <laughs> yeah, the, the issue is web design, design in general, is really quite a subjective thing. Until you start tying it to KPIs, key performance indicators like revenue and conversion rate and average order value. And then split testing, now we can compare the design's impact on those KPIs. Yeah, and Google Optimize, which we will be talking about quite a bit here, just literally gives you a thing and says, this one is better, and tells you the percentage amount it is better. You really can't argue with it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It really is. That is the coolest thing. And the reality is... Oftentimes, what you're doing really is just a best guess. Yeah, you think what might be better. You're yeah. just kind of, you're like, well, is this better maybe? I don't know. 
And so you could tell me all day that you love data-driven decisions, but the reality is, it, in, in respect to uh, web design and Shopify themes, you're going with your gut unless you're split testing it. And I get that it's not practical to split test everything, and sometimes you just don't feel the need to do it. That's fine, but I'm making a point here. But my gut's really smart, though. Yeah, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> I, I, I have a good sense of what's truthy with my gut. Mm -hmm. uh, so, today, on the unofficial Shopify podcast, we are discussing split tests. We're going to go through several split tests and what those results were. Real split tests from client stores and talk through the, the hypothesis and what the meaning is there. But ultimately, the thing I want you to take away from this is that split testing is fun. It is easy. You should try it. Any dumb dumb could do it because I figured it out. And I got a C in quantitative analysis in college. I'm not talking a high C either. I, that was a like barely get my degree C. But you know what? C's get degrees. So I made it. It was, so, a, it was a gentleman's C. A gentleman's C. I like that. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech, Tech nasty. nasty. And I am joined <laughs> by Mr. Paul Rita. I'll just make the sound style. Just tell me, <laughs> yell out the sound when you hit the button and I'll make it. Well, the joy of split tests is making more money. Cha-ching. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta like say cha-ching. Oh, sorry. Cha-ching dot wave. <laughs> That's it now. We just say whatever. We just say file name dot wave. Uh, so, we've mentioned this before, but the annoying part about sharing split tests and sharing the results is you're always going to get the person who's like, well, actually, that's not statistically significant. Or they, or I'm just asking the question. Is it statistical significant? Now, that is a legit question because most people are dumbasses. <laughs> you probably like wildly skewed the results for funsies. And so I, I think it is, a va it is simultaneously a valid but pointless question to ask because the truth is it really doesn't matter if it's statistically significant or not. It could have 99% statistical significancy, but it, that would be in that store with that audience at that time. It absolutely will not have any bearing in your own store. So when you look at other people's split test results, stop treating those as best practices. They're not. Those are fabulous split test ideas to try in your own store. Okay, but when you're doing the split test, you should care about statistical significance. I bet. So you're not like, I ran it for four hours. It's up 200%. <laughs> okay, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, for your own test, you should care if it's statistically significant or not. Because, yeah, when you start a test, you'll see the initial result well, you will just bounce around yeah. wildly, and then as it gains data, it'll come, it'll it'll level out and have a a saner result. And sometimes the result isn't what you wanted, and sometimes the result just is it doesn't matter. In which case, okay, now go with your gut on whichever you prefer. Yeah, sometimes the split test is a real toughy roads. <laughs> what is a toughy roads? Toughy roads was a guy on the Cubs who, at some year in the '90s, I don't remember, hit three home runs on opening day. So obviously, that means Toughy Roads is going to hit. Over 400 home runs for the year. Do you want him on your fantasy team? He did not. He hit maybe like 10 the whole year. So he, it was a he fluke. Got, he got sent back, down, sent back down in August. But Ooh. he had three home runs on opening day, clearly winning the MVP. It's a, and this, that split test now. This is a mistake we've seen people make with split testing. They start the test. The result immediately skews one way or the other hard and probably the way they didn't want it to. And so, like, 48 hours in, they just quit it and go, well, that one didn't work. Well, and they, oh, and they go, 
oh, well, half the people are getting this horrible outcome and that cuts my conversion rate in half. Now half my audience is having half the conversion rate. And that shit now, I'm losing money. Yeah, they panic. Yeah. And so uh, there is, there can be opportunity cost that happens with split testing. But what's the opportunity cost of missing out on a great test that could have potentially increased your overall revenue for the rest of the year if you just waited it out? So with that caveat, these tests, we have waited until they've achieved statistical significance in Google Optimize. And we have always run them two weeks. Two weeks, I really think, is the, the minimum that you could get and still have something that is reasonably statistically significant. I, I, I know your reasoning behind that because I think you think you think of it as pay cycles beyond yes. two weeks. Yeah, I, you get paid every two weeks. I haven't seen that in the numbers, but definitely the amount of weekend in your sample size is very important. Also true. You want as little weekend is in your sample as possible. Or at least you don't want to you don't want to start it on Saturday on Friday and end it the next like ten days later on Monday. So you have two weekend two sets of weekend days in there and only one week in the middle of it. Yeah. Everyone that's just knows too much weekend. You do your shopping by procrastinating at work. That's it's actually true. Yes. People in people on the weekends, people actually that's not, live, even, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. People live their lives on the weekend. They don't buy as much. All stores sales go down on the weekends. I'm living for the weekend. Yeah. And the other thing to consider, of course, is how you segment your tests. Like when I get in a, re, a test that really throws me, we want to run that test again. And we also want to run it segmented. What is this? How does this test look at as uh, new versus returning customers and mobile versus desktop? And then that can often lead to opportunities for personalization where like maybe this one widget works better on mobile versus desktop or it has a negative effect on new visitors but a positive effect on returning visitors. Well, we can use um, ongoing personalization in Google Optimize to just make that a permanent change for only that segment. All right. I feel like we've jumped straight to step four here. So let's reel it back a little bit. Kurt, what is split testing? Excellent question. Uh, so split testing, when you're making design changes to a site, you're going with your gut. You have no idea what the impact of things are. So if I've got, uh, you know, I have a, a bunch of press logos on my homepage, does that have any impact at all, good or bad? I have no idea. And so the way to try, the way to figure it out is for half of the visitors to your site, leave it as is. That's our control. And for the other half, get rid of the thing and see what impact does that have on our, our key performance indicators. And using, uh, there's a lot of split testing tools. The one we're using is Google Optimize because it is, it is free to use and it is easy to use because it plugs into Google Analytics, which you are very definitely probably already using in Shopify. And so Google Optimize, and then it'll also try and save you from yourself on the statistical significance. Yeah, where it'll it will tell, tell you the probability. It will tell you the ch the percentage chance that this one that this choice is better and it will also uh watch out for you where it'll have it'll try and stop you from doing boneheaded things it'll be like hey maybe don't edit this test a week into it and skew your results yeah every time you touch the test it's out now actually a new test yeah as a oh uh you try and end it early it's like please don't do this <laughs> it will try and save you from yourself so i like google optimize a lot but there's there are plenty of other tools that will work as well and yeah, so what we're doing is we're making a change on our store 
We're then splitting the audience in half. Half the audience sees the change. Half the audience doesn't see the change. And then we see which split of the audience performs better, makes more money. And then if the change ends up making you more money, you now apply that change to everyone. And lather, rinse, repeat. Do it again, do it again, do it again. Add a weird line of text that's like, great at parties, above the end of cart button. Oh, great at parties. <laughs> yeah, saying it's great at parties is, uh, actually gives me 5% more money than not having it there. Great. I mean, and that, there's, there's other ways to run split tests. Um, there's, there's nuance to it, and people who are really into it, I'm sure, are like in their cars screaming at this moment. But what we've described, that is the most common, that's like the prototypical split test, is I've should my add to cart button be red or green? All you're doing is changing button colors, man. That's so all split testing is. Half of the, oh God, <laughs> get some angry emails now. And so half of people will see red and half of people will see green. All right, which one performed better? And that's all it is. Red means stop, so obviously that's worse. Duh. <laughs> and that's and we don't know this. That's why we gotta we gotta split test it. I really had not I had not performed split testing myself particularly on a regular basis until a few years ago. When I am such a dork in the year 2020, not knowing, you know, the, the craziness that was about to happen. One of my New Year's resolutions was I'm going to I'm going to figure out split testing and I'm going to figure it out by just trying it and making mistakes and seeing what happens and getting my own experience with it. And so I recently uh, looking back on it now, I'm, I'm very comfortable with split testing. And so I, I went back through and I pulled uh, several of our more interesting split test the one that i the ones that surprised us the ones that i thought were neat um and i wanted to share those their results and the hypothesis behind it in the hope that not that you go implement these just blindly oh my gosh please don't in that but that you'll take these ideas and split test it in your own store and maybe uh develop the data where you know conclusively these are positive changes i'm just thinking about how for our listeners that are self-admitted fiddly little monkeys this is a great Aren't we all this is a great thing for you to fiddle with you know you know how you like want to make your store better but you don't want to do like any actual work to make it better like you know worrying about your email campaigns or anything like that writing like, 500 word product 500 descriptions. product descriptions yeah making a bunch of content yeah no too much work you could set up a split test in like 15 minutes oh yeah and Maybe you end up making more money on that split test. And then it just runs on its own for two weeks. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. And at the end, it's free money. And you didn't really do jack shit. So <laughs> you did work on your website, and you didn't really have to do anything. It's perfect to get that fiddly little monkey brain out of your head. Uh, you know, I fall into the category of fiddle monkey. <laughs> and that is real. Like, that's the appeal of it for yeah. me. Like, oh, I get to fiddle and optimize. <laughs> and, it, you know... It's really worthwhile. I mean, I'm sure you've had split tests that ended up even generating 5% more revenue. Is it adds up. Is 5% completely reasonable as Absolutely. being better on something? All right. If you have a store that makes a million dollars a year, 5% is 50 grand. You did a stupid split test that you dicked around with for 15 minutes, and now you have an extra $50,000 this year. Maybe you spent an entire hour thinking about it. Wow. 50000 an hour? I will take that bet. <laughs> Do you still use a horse and buggy? <laughs> How about a fax machine? 
know? Then don't use a regular Shopify theme when you can use Zipify Pages. Just ask this Zipify user. Zipify Pages. I just found that it converts so much better than any Shopify theme I have used before. And you can create high converting landing pages in really the matter of minutes. Zipify Pages is a powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $155 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. You can copy entire templates, like opt-in pages, product pages, and holiday promotions, or use the drag-and-drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,500 Shopify merchants. To start your free 14-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Uh, so rather than make them wait, you ready for some pl split test action? Change all the font to Baskerville. <laughs> well, all right, tell me about your thoughts on that. No, one. I've I read a thing that Baskerville is the most trustworthy font. People were like, it was like reading a uh, piece of text that was trying to convince you of something, and Baskerville worked best in trying to convince people of something. That being said, if I'm selling like beach gear and not you know reading the Federalist Papers. <laughs> Maybe Baskerville's not the best choice. Uh, yeah, yeah. My Kindle, I want Baskerville. <laughs> well, on, on your Kindle, you want Bookerly, the special font made for Kindles. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> you know, maybe I just I keep it simple. Do Georgia? Get out of here. Anything that was a website font twenty years ago, loser font. Oh, I see. <laughs> really going deep in the typography jokes. That's right. That's right. Make some kerning references next. All right. Should we've discussed this one on on the show before? But should price appear on the collection grid? Uh, we've determined no in all of our split tests. I think the answer is maybe. May not apply, may not be applicable to you, but applicable to us. When we ran this in an apparel store, and we've now run this in several stores, um, and I got, we, one was inconclusive, and the others were various levels of positive. But in an example, the first time we did this in an apparel store, it increased revenue per session. So Google Optimize, you could choose different goals. It doesn't necessarily have to be conversion rate, which they call transactions. You could do revenue. It'll give you revenue per session. It increased revenue per session 23.5% with 97% confidence. What's revenue per session? It's oh, visitor per, sessions. Oh, per yeah. session. You were saying per session too fast. Per session. Like we're in a wedding party and we're going down the aisle per session. I see. <laughs> I need to enunciate. All right, so yeah, 23% more revenue. Holy shit. Yeah. For that store, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is one that I, I don't think is applicable to every store. This is one you want to test. And my hypothesis here is I see the, the, the pricing in the collection grid, or I just see the items of the collection grid without the pricing. And whether I think about it or not, in my head, I have to make a value judgment as to what this may be. Value is subjective. And if it's worth it to me, and then when I click through to the product and I see the actual price, if that price is less than I suspected, suddenly it seems like a good value and I'm more likely to buy. And so if you are in that position, this one is going to kill for you. But other way around, if people, it could work against you and people could perceive the product as overpriced. So this one, you don't just want to implement it blindly. You would want to test it. And this psychological reasoning is entirely something you've just backfilled, right? 
hundred percent. Yeah, you don't know why. <laughs> no, it's a thing I made up. If I just go, my hypothesis is, oh. then I could just say whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why you shouldn't just blindly accept these supposed best practices on the internet. Because it's some Yahoo in an office in Skokie making it up. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah, we're pretty much all just making it up as we go. I mean, it, as evidenced by Elon Musk's Twitter shenanigans, it is very clear <laughs> even the richest man in the world is winging it. Oh, my God. I'm not getting into that. Oh, my God. Uh, you triggered Oh, my God, that wave. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, we know font. We, know, we like typography. We know fonts are important. How important is font size? Bigger is better. Bigger is better. You know, uh, one letter per screen. <laughs> you have to just tab through it, <laughs> piece it together. It's like a cipher. This one is a trick question. Readability is important. I did attempt multiple times to split test f- just font size, and I could not get anything uh, conclusive or statistically significant. The I think the answer is overall readability is important, and you can't just simplify it to font size. And who do we ask in order to figure out overall readability on the web, Kurt? <laughs> uh, well, Baymart Institute, <laughs> who does usability uh, studies, I love Baymart Institute, did uh, a, a large-scale study and came up with readability guidelines. And they said the, th- the most important thing is line length. So if you've ever read uh, a newspaper, you know those things that it's, it's, uh, they're antiques, they're printed on dead trees, Hmm. It's like, it's what we did before email, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. They have these really, like magazines and newspapers have these really narrow columns. Or even if you read like a paperback, you'll notice it's fairly narrow text. Narrow text, more line length and narrow text more so than font size is what determines readability. Like my eyeballs don't need to be going back and forth. I wouldn't say narrow text. I would say line length. Line length. Because obviously you could be too narrow. Yes. And so they, they got it down to like 60 to 80 characters. And then there's other factors like the spacing between the lines, line height. But these are all CSS value. There's um, so font size, a CSS value easily changed on your store. Line length, you know, is the size of the container or like the padding on the container that the text is in easily changed on your store. Uh, Letter spacing, word spacing. These are all CSS values you can tweak. Yeah. So these could be a a theme developer, front end developer can relatively easily implement this stuff as just part of your theme. And yeah, and that and that is how um, Google Optimize generally works, is it works with CSS values in that, you know, if we're hiding and showing an element, Google Optimize loads your page in sort of a frame, and then you find a CSS class or ID on that element, and you tell Google Optimize, this thing right here, our test is show hide this thing. And that's how you set up the test at least when you ask me for help in setting up the tests how yes. do you do it <laughs> yes it also it like it's got a visual one but you know i have access to a theme developer and so <laughs> we we do it the fancy way um do you have a an amazon kindle the e-ink one i do the uh, paper white that's called right i do yeah i got one of those too um i think a lot of people have those or have one in a drawer gathering dust as a christmas gift pull it out turn it on and mess with the settings because in the settings for your book, when you're reading on the, the Kindle, at least on the, the e-ink one, you can mess with um, the font size, the line length, the width of the column, and the line height. 
And so it's a really, it, if you want to demonstrate to th- this to yourself, you can actually do it with your Kindle. Well, I was going to just do it on your phone. All phone, uh, if you got a iPhone right now, load up a text-heavy web page in Safari, load up your web page in Safari, and turn on reader mode in oh, Safari. I love reader and mode. Reader mode has those settings that you could tweak. It's like an uppercase, a lowercase A in the upper left corner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's got line height, it's got font size, and I mean, you could screw with that and really see how different it is for you. The fact that reader mode exists as a prominent default feature in shows, a web browser shows how far we've fallen. Yeah, that's like everything. <laughs> it that, used, everything used to be like that. Yeah, this should really justify to you uh, how important this is. And, and you know, when, when Baymart says it, the best line length is sixty to eighty characters, their character counters online. Take an, if you have a question about an area on your website, copy one line of text out of it when you're looking at it. Google character counter yep. and just paste that text into a character counter and it'll tell you how many characters it is. 100%. Because I am a fiddly little monkey sometimes. Uh, I did all of this on my e-ink info board. Have you heard about that? Yeah, uh, what is I this was... e-ink info board you keep yammering about? <laughs> no, I, well, we t- I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Oh, we did? Yeah, I spent way too much money on a giant 32-inch e-ink screen that's like a Kindle and it loads a web page I built that lives inside my house and it just has a bunch of data on it. That I can look at, like headlines and stocks and the weather and a picture of my baby. My baby, she's old news now. All I care about is this info board. <laughs> Whatever. She just sleeps all the time. You know, maybe she could, like, when she's a little older, she could start helping you maintain the info board. But, yeah, so I went completely overboard. I figured out how to install San Francisco, which is the official Mac font on it. But you're only supposed to be able to do that inside Mac apps. I don't think this ink board is a Mac app. It's not. Don't tell Tim Cook, though. Wow, you're a super hacker. Yeah, and then I set all the text sizing and stuff, according to Baymard. I am a super hacker. I wrote a static HTML page. <laughs> Great job, me. There was more to it than that. There is a lot more than that. It's pulling JSON. It's really cool. Hero images. You know, the top of a collection or category page, you get like this banner or big picture at the top. Looks, It's like a lifestyle image, usually. It looks really cool. Why are you using the singular? Shouldn't we have like five of those rotating no! in a slideshow? I've, You know, I've never seen a carousel as a hero <laughs> image on a collection page. But yeah, if you really want to torture me, go ahead and implement that. God. Uh, yeah, so I love these because there's a lot of style. I want the, the hashtag aesthetic, right? And so I split tested it. I want to challenge my assumptions here. Split tested the presence of a hero image. And this was on a site that had really good hero images and a site that was really like lifestyle and leaned into aesthetic. And I thought for sure this is a waste of time because I know what the answer is going to be. And I was wrong. What? So getting rid of the hero image. And just dumping a bunch of products at people? Yes. Increased revenue per session 16% with 92% confidence. And this one annoyed me so much, I ran the test again on mobile versus desktop and new versus returning visitors. And those numbers changed a little bit, but in all cases, it was net better to just not have the hero image. So what you're telling me is my aesthetic of just put less garbage on your pay, on your site and it's just products, products all day long is right? The Paul Rita, keep it simple, stupid philosophy absolutely makes you money. Yeah! And this one is data-driven. And no one will listen to me. They're like, more widgets. Yeah, like, make it all invisible, then make it appear right before it scrolls off the screen, so they got to scroll back. Yeah. I, be, I got an email from someone today who said, it was a very successful website that's very plain. It's going through a redesign and said, this redesign is too plain. And that broke my heart. 
Because it's like, you want to go like, hey, maybe that's why this is successful. I mean, no one is going to your site and going, oh, this site looks so good. Oh, look how cool it looks. No. They're like, does this product look cool? Do I want to buy it? What's the price? Are they going to actually ship it to me? Like, that's all they care about. They don't care about your fucking widgets. Overall, yeah, you and you can't, like, have all these widgets, but then also be worrying about page speed, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm not going down that road. Less is more. Simpler is better. People, the, it, you're ultimately, I think a lot of design is just things you are getting that are, that are getting in the way of shopping. You want to know the page speed score of my info board? It has one. Yeah, I ran it through Lighthouse. It's got to be a hundred of a hundred. No, nope, it's sixty-eight. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's texted like three images. Such a useless metric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, the, the reason that hero image thing is, is outperforming, not having the hero image is outperforming the hero image, is because the hero image is just getting in the way. It's just pushing the product grid down the page. Yeah, they're like, I want to buy, it's like, I clicked on shirts, here's a big photo of a guy wearing a shirt. Yeah, no shit, I clicked on shirts, I know. <laughs> uh, free shipping. We have to have free shipping, right? Obviously. Of course you have to have free shipping. However, if you split test free shipping, which you could do, not with Google Optimize, uh, but there's there's apps that'll do it. ShipScout is the one I use. Um, there's another one, IntelliGems. I haven't used it, but I I think that'll do it as well. You can test different free shipping thresholds. And what's cool about the the ShipScout one is you can also put in here's my typical fulfillment cost, here's my cost of goods sold, and it will tell help you um, optimize for revenue. Which free shipping threshold? When you're including those costs and the checkout conversion rate for each different free, for each different shipping threshold, which is the one that optimizes for revenue? Which is the one that gets you the most money? Cha-ching.wave. <laughs> and um, just saying the name of the file name, I don't know. That's so <laughs> it's a, it's a just like immediately derailed the myself. The fact that it's not wave, so it's like, we're, it's like 1994. <laughs> It's what my soundboard supports. It's 1992. I'm on the CompuServe forums on my PS1 <laughs> downloading Seinfeld waves. I'm going to download them for AOL. It's like, oh, my God, I came home from school and it only half finished. <laughs> and then of those, only three were actually what they said they were. So you, you could test this. And when you start including the, the cost of it versus the conversion rate, it almost always is just, it's just a cost center. The free shipping is just costing you money more than it is offsetting with additional conversion. Because it turns out it doesn't... Depending on the brand and the the shipping thresholds, it really doesn't make that big an impact. It's a very minor change. I, mean, I want to dive into this a little bit though, because I feel like we've been very much no gods but shipping. You need to offer free shipping and just raise your prices. You'll make it up more on the back end. It, incre it will increase your conversion rate because people worry about shipping. I feel like we've hammered that a lot over the years. Yes. So this is a this is a shift. It is. Yo, this really blew my mind, and I thought maybe it's just the store. This has been the case in every store that we've tested this, is that free shipping and free shipping, higher free shipping thresholds just don't make a big enough impact to be worth it. So what you're saying is charging for shipping has always been, in every test you've done, charging for shipping is better than free shipping in terms of the total end revenue you end up getting. In terms of revenue per visitor, yes. Isn't that crazy? I could see it. I could see it in the argument was let's say let's say we magically know that the optimal free shipping threshold is 30 bucks. 
the choices were always like between free shipping or $10 shipping. So I wonder if the cases were always the, it's not that, Oh, our free shipping threshold should be zero. It, the problem was actually, it was not high enough. It should have been higher to offset the cost more and actually become a profit center instead of a cost center. And I think there's other ways to go about this. I think you know, I, I still believe in in no gods but shipping, but now it's about the delivery promise, especially after the supply chain crunch. Yeah, and I mean I'm sure the costs of shipping things have gone up. Yes, it's probably having free shipping is rough to eat now, much rougher to eat than it was two years ago. Yes, and so I think for a lot of people, the new, the more important thing is, am I going to get my stuff and am I going to get it quickly? More so than, oh, man, I have to pay for shipping. So in this case, I think free shipping, uh, not necessarily a must-have, uh, but definitely a must-test. Yeah, but I'm, look, I'm looking at a chart here. Yeah, this one, on, on one of your tests, you did no, what is no free shipping as in free shipping at $0 or as in we're always charging you for shipping? Uh, I set the free shipping threshold at $1,000. Okay, so you were always paying for shipping, free shipping at $25, and free shipping at $75. And free shipping at $25 one. Yes. So. You're always going to have well, it, the checkout conversion. There is, there, every store has a number. That's the best number. Yeah. And you've got to figure out what the number is. But we're fairly certain the number is not zero. Absolutely. And so it's going to be like using your average order value as a starting place is a good spot. Yeah. Don't you want to always go like five bucks over your average order value? If I can't test for it, and like these apps require, I think you have to be on Shopify Plus for these to work. I, I would assume because you got to change the checkout whether the person's getting free shipping or not. Yeah. And so you need, um, so if you can't test for it, then yeah, I would just, and you want to offer free shipping, I would do average order value, you know, plus 15% as my, my starting point. The thing to consider is, all right, what is the cost on each order for fulfillment and shipping? And then trying to factor that in and figuring out, like, all right, is this worthwhile? Like, yeah, I'm going to turn some people away. But then, you know, I could run uh, an abandoned cart campaign flow and have that offer a free shipping coupon to try and mm. make up for it. And now I'm I'm getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. I know. I think it's – this isn't a – the – Free shipping is a must-have, I think. There's no longer a rule of thumb now. Yeah, it's an assumption that needs to be challenged. This episode was brought to you by the team at Rewind, a trusted Shopify app since 2015. If you're a Shopify partner, join leading agencies like Milk Bottle Labs, Velstar, and Mac Digital Designs, and more in the Rewind Agency Partner Program. You can earn up to $2,000 for recommending Rewind to your clients. And you can rest easy knowing that the hard work you've done for your clients is protected. If you're a merchant, feel confident and enjoy peace of mind that your store is always safe with automated backups. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Learn more by looking up Rewind in the Shopify app store or visit rewind.com. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. This next one, not something I ever messed with. A client suggested it. We tried it. It had a really positive and interesting result. So uh, on Amazon, you ever notice they have like your browsing history? Yeah. Some Shopify themes has this, have this feature built in. It's called recently viewed products. 
And I like this idea for when like you're browsing around and you look at like you look at a product and you go, maybe this is what I want to get, maybe not. I gotta look at something else. You look at the other thing, you go, well, that's definitely not it. But then you're like, what the heck was I looking at, you know, two minutes ago? And oh, there then there's a little widget recently viewed. And so you go, oh, that's my I gotta grab, I gotta go back and click, that's the one I want. And then you get to the cart and the recently viewed is still there. And you go, oh, well, I should add this too. So I think in theory, this recently viewed um, products thing helps keep people on the site. It helps keep them, you know, in that shopping loop, um, captive to it, and uh, also helps increase average order value. But you don't know till you test it. And so I tested it. It had a positive result, but I thought maybe this is different for new versus returning customers, right? Like if because it cookies it. So if I'm visiting the site for the first time, recently viewed products might be less important to me. Nothing in it, yeah. Whereas if I'm returning, I might be pleasantly surprised by it. So we ran it both ways. For new visitors, it decreased conversion rate. 9% for returning visitors increased it 33%. So this is one where it turned out doing the split test revealed a a personalization opportunity. And Google Optimize could do this. So if it's a new visitor to the site, we just hide that object, that widget. And if it's a returning visitor, then we don't do anything. That sounds great. I'm just going to ask. All right, that all worked out. How do we make that do go all the time now? So that's that's a Google Optimize feature. Oh, you could just have that. Then you could just have that running all the time. Yeah, a go a the personal is there's a personalization option in Google Optimize that is essentially just hey, we're going to run an ongoing. This we're going to use that same split testing engine for an ongoing change, and then not track. You know, we're not actually testing two different audiences here. It's pretty nifty. Cruising around on a site, you ever see where you can add to cart from the collection page as opposed to like go visit the thing? I hate that. You hate it? Yeah. You built such a cool implementation of this on shitty coolers. I did. But you're not a fan. No. <laughs> I did what I was told. <laughs> you know, I'm not a uh, normally I'm not a fan of it either. I mean, just I like to, for whatever reason, I just go to the product page and add from there. I think you know if it's a site like where I'm buying a bunch of small things like nuts and bolts, um, which the websites where we could do that, like McMaster Car, uh, then I think it makes a lot of sense. So again, this is one of those ones where you want to test. But we did test it on an apparel site, uh, depending on the implementation, I'm sure, and. It increased revenue per visitor 15%. Only had 85% confidence. So I don't know that this one is statistically significant. Well, I mean, it is. It's not like, you know, the science standard is 95. But, you know, 85, it's looking that way. Yeah. Yeah. And this one I didn't run like, this would be an interesting one to see mobile versus desktop, new versus returning. And because I don't like it, I'm going to find a reason to not implement it. (laughs) To show that I'm right. <laughs> well, I think the, I think this, <laughs> I think this is dependent on the quality of the implementation of the add to cart, of course, but then also on the 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 item that you're adding to cart. You know, does it have variants? Does it have multiple variants? Do I need to check a size guide? I think all those things are going to make a huge difference as to whether or not this feature makes sense. Yeah, and I think and I think on apparel, it's a major. You know, <clears throat> it's not a fancy thousand dollar doodad. It's not like an e-ink info board that you need a lot of data about. If it's a shirt's a shirt, 
Like the pro- the product page, the shirt product page is really not going to give you any more data than the shirt just in the collection grid. Whereas a more complex piece of technology, you might want to read a big page about it. Or I'm dropping a couple grand on this thing. I need fancy images to really convince me how fancy it is. Yeah, absolutely. I want I want the 360 spinner. I need the AR view. Uh-huh. I get a really. Really fully experience. It needs to be an experience. Experience, obviously, experiential. It's an experiential website. <laughs> oh, you don't browse that website. As opposed to the other websites, which you just know. You, it just <laughs> it's in your brain. Suddenly, you didn't actually experience it. It's just injected like Picard into the base of your skull. Yeah, it's like Picard. You know, when he was with uh, with the people with the Nausicans. Oh, I just assumed when, this was going to be a Borg reference. No, with the Resican, the Resicans. The ones where they, he like lived the entire life on the Ruskin planet, and then he could play the flute afterwards. Is this on TNG? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I don't remember that one. It's literally one of the most famous TNG, The Inner Light, literally one of the most famous TNG episodes. <sighs> I am so sorry to both our Star Trek and non-Star Trek listeners. How dare you? I've offended everyone. <laughs> uh, all right. This is our, our last test here that we're going to discuss. Breadcrumbs. Do we need them? They it attract seemed... ants. <laughs> yeah, well, how am I going to find my way back through the woods? <laughs> exactly. Without breadcrumbs. Uh, no, so breadcrumbs, those little navigation links that live in the upper left, it's usually like really tiny 12-point text. Hate those too. Yeah, and they say, and it'll be like, home, collection title, product title. And that's that's it. Like, that's that's all it's got going for it. And so it doesn't seem like it has a ton of utility, but if you heat map it, you'll see people click on it. And, you know, I hate it because I'm like, this thing can't be doing anything. And it's, like, so tiny. Uh, and they, then you see the heat map. Oh, okay, people use this thing. And then so I split tested it. And darn it, they most definitely use it. So at least on product detail pages where I'm bouncing back and forth between a collection and a product, they're using it, like, in place of a back button, I suppose. Uh, having it increases revenue per visitor by 53% with 92% confidence. It's because they're making multiple purchases. It makes it easier to browse. That's a crazy number. Yeah, you get rid of that breadcrumb, it really, you're shooting yourself in the foot. That's awful. Yeah. Like the breadcrumb is in, my guess would be all themes and turned on by default. If you're listening to this, there's a 90% chance you just have them out on your store. But I guess we're just saying don't turn them off. Yeah. Don't be like, oh, I'm going to really clean this up because Paul said keep it simple (laughs) and turn off my breadcrumbs. Uh, I guess that's got to stay. You can listen to me. So... Those are that's the extent of the the interesting split tests. I've, I've run many others. Uh, mostly they were uninteresting or inconclusive. And I want, <laughs> yeah, I mean a lot of times I bet it's going to be like, "Yeah, whatever. Didn't matter." Yeah. <laughs> uh, oftentimes the test is this makes no difference one way or the other. Yeah, so the, just pick what you like. We just yeah, we just mentioned the cool ones that actually did something. Yeah, that's the fun of it. We didn't mention all the ones that didn't do shit. Yeah. And like maybe I had to let them run longer or form them differently, but I at least knew, like, as is, it's not telling you anything useful. And so, yeah, there's freedom in that. And that you're like, well, I don't have, I, here's one thing I know I don't have to worry about anymore. And I think that's, you know, looking back on, on all these tests that we've been running and, and the uh, learnings from them, I think the important part, the important mindset to have going into split testing is just be willing to question everything. Like every element, I mean, if you want to, you go through systematically, test every element on your homepage. And what you'll quickly discover is some are significantly more important than others. And the ones that you might suspect are important may not be. Like I, there was one site I, where I did this. I tested each individual section on the homepage. And to my surprise, 
the press bar. We call this the brag bar, the trust bar, whatever you want to call it, that had yeah, like a bunch of logos. logos. That, when it was present, had a negative impact. And that you can't even think of a hypothesis for that. My guess is like they saw it and they just went, and because every scam website also has one of these. True. Maybe there's that association. And like in this particular instance, it was it was like as seen in and just the logos, but there was no there was no indicator that no it, context. it actually meant anything. It's it didn't like go we, anywhere. We saved the logo of this media company and then put it on our website. Like yes. that was all it was. Yeah. And it's like they were all true. I could say I've been featured in the New York Times all the time. Haven't? No? No. Yeah, what I met Snoop Dogg. I used to be his blunt roller. Really? Yeah. No, that's wow. not true at all. That's cool. None of that. Wow. Yeah. I've put that on my homepage. I've been to space. As seen in NASA. I uh, I can't top that one. <laughs> I've been to space. <laughs> and then I think the, the other interesting thing about split testing is you really don't want to test exclusively conversion rate. Like I often, I find revenue is the one that's the most valuable and interesting because that's you're really looking at conversion rate and average order value, yeah, like, like blended into one. Revenue is the important. Th- revenue is the only metric. I mean, yes. we could let we could let one person into the store a year, and if they buy something, our conversion rate's one hundred percent. Great. It's like didn't make any money though. Well, like if I want to reduce noise and really lean on significance with my split tests, you would only want to be testing like the immediate next step, like add to cart, and that's not necessarily something I have explored. Or page views. But what's cool about Google Optimize, you don't have to pick just one. You can have it run against multiple, and it'll give you different results for each in the same test at the same time. And so you really don't have to, like, second-guess yourself or worry about it. Just run it both ways. See what it says. Um, and then I think the the other thing that surprised me was uh, the wild, and I shouldn't have been surprised, but the big difference that segmentation makes. Mobile versus desktop, new versus returning. Um, I have not gotten into testing uh, like referral source or path. You know, like people who came from yeah, a Google people, search. Well, and I mean, yeah, that would be just off the top of my head. That would be a huge force multiplier because one of the things that we struggle with when we're looking at people's data is, oh, our mobile conversion rate stinks compared to our desktop conversion rate. And part of that is just built into the device itself. But the other piece of it is. So much of mobile traffic to your store is absolutely dominated by Instagram and Facebook, and that's generally top of funnel traffic, and that's generally less likely to buy, you know, and then that kills your mobile conversion rate. And so it's like, if there's a way that you could be like, show this only on phones from Facebook, and then, you know, you get some crazy score on it where it's like, oh, that caused 53% increase in conversion rate. Well, you've just made a huge step in solving that problem. I've got more testing to do, is yeah, what it sounds exactly. like. <laughs> more toys to play with, more levers to pull. That's the excitement of it. Um, especially now we're, we're seeing Facebook ads are, are less effective. Um, channels are changing as far as like what acquisition channels are, are worthwhile. And so one way around a decreasing ROAS is can we bolster the site? You know, can we make the site more effective for the traffic we do have? And split testing is the easy way into it. And I would really encourage people, um, check out Google Optimize. Try and set it up. Play with it. See what happens. You know, the, you're not going to break anything. 
Well, and if you will, Google, Google Optimize will tell you, you broke it. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, your worst case scenario is like your test is insignificant, I think. No, I think the, the, the worst case scenario is you ate a marginal decrease in revenue from half of your audience while the test was going, but you learned something. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the cost of learning. It's the cost of learning. Yeah. It was, you know, it was the friends we made along the way. Right. It's the, the real... dollars we made with Optimize. All right. We're going to go out. We'll end it there, and we're going to go out on... Uh... Applause.wave. No, we're going out on Star Trek Red Alert.wave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was annoying. All right. See you guys. Privy is the fastest way to grow sales with email and SMS. You can build your list, save abandoned carts, send money making emails and texts, and more, all in one place. Plus, you'll get coaching and support from e-commerce experts no matter where you start. Privy is the number one rated sales app on Shopify and has helped merchants deliver over 7 billion in online sales. Join the thousands of merchants growing with Privy by signing up for a free 15-day trial today. Just head over to privy.com slash unofficial Shopify to get started. That's P-R-I-V-Y dot com slash unofficial Shopify.